Good afternoon, this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. My name is Tiffany Day. I will be your host today. And Gedoni Mbugwa will be our moderator. We'll be talking about trauma today, just as it is um, in real life. V2 ground. I'll hand over to Gedoni. Uh, feel free to share the space, tweet about it, uh, share the link so that your friends can join, and don't be afraid of asking for the mic. Let's share, um, let's learn, relearn, and unlearn together. Karibuni. Hi, good afternoon. I hope you can hear me. Please wave. Or if you're a speaker, you can turn on the mic. Dennis, can you hear me? Oh, thank you. Um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Vitu Kwa Ground. As we have a special conversation and a much needed conversation on um, trauma. Uh, and just to begin, before I hand over to the speakers, uh, thank you, Tiffany, for um, introducing me and being at the back end of this. Um, trauma is really one of the backbones of health, and I say this from a space of looking at it in regards to how much, how impactful actually trauma can be in our adult lives, any form, however little or big. So I'm really glad that we'll be having this conversation today. I'm being joined by um, Dennis, as well as I can see, how do I, it's written Kenya. How do, you, do I say that? <clears throat> Please turn on your mic. Yes. Kenya, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I don't know if I can be heard. Okay, yes, Dennis. I can hear you. Hello? Uh, okay, I, I think you. maybe I, I lost her a little bit. But allow me to go straight into the conversation um, because of time. I've joined in late, so I don't know if the speakers had introduced themselves. Uh, but what are the common misconceptions about trauma and how can we work to dispel them? <clears throat> common misconceptions. We can start with Dennis and then we go to Kenya. Yeah, so some of the common misconceptions about trauma is that uh, trauma, uh, once you face a traumatic uh, situation, uh, some people uh, say that you cannot, you can never really completely overcome that traumatic situation and uh, whereby you find uh, there are some people who generally believe that uh, once you face once you face a traumatic uh, situation or a condition you're going to generally uh, remain stuck in there but i think this is a misconception because we have heard of stories of people who have gone through many bad situations in life and they've been able to overcome so 
I think for me that's an, uh, a misconception whereby people say that uh, you can never really overcome a traumatic situation in life. Then another one, uh, another misconception is about is that men cannot go through trauma. Some people believe that uh, simply because they are men, they cannot face those emotional feelings. They cannot uh, be able to express themselves adequately. So you find uh, most of the men really hide behind this curtain of, I am a man, I cannot, uh, I cannot be hurt. I cannot, I cannot experience these things. But reality, uh, the, the reality is later in life, some of these issues come back later in bad in bad ways um, they come to manifest in bad in bad scenarios we have heard of people who maybe commit they can they, they kill their family because of issue as just a small issue that happened behind any back in life but they, they they never took into account the issues of healing the issues of seeking uh, psychological care and therapy and then later in life some of these issues come to manifest later in uglier ways yeah so those are some of them two common misconceptions about trauma um thank you dennis for that um absolutely i could i couldn't agree with you more as a psychologist you know i definitely sit at a space where i have seen people overcome trauma but it's such a huge misconception where you know, a lot of people out there think this is not something that you can be able to to cope with or even overcome at some point in your life. And yeah, the cultural misconception where men, the responsibility or rather the expectation of how men should behave or be or experience things, um, it's it's just really put on a bar that is non-human if i can say that yeah so as long as you're a human being then you are vulnerable to being hurt you are vulnerable in 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 all ways you have emotions like any other person you know and therefore can get hurt uh i see we are joined by hassan and magdalene allow me just to welcome them but i can see kenya's mic is on so allow me to ask you to please go ahead. What are some of the misconceptions that you know about trauma? Oh yeah. So uh, I think one of the misconceptions that I've learned about trauma is that trauma only occurs when it's a very huge event or a very shaky event. Well, actually the truth is trauma could even result um, from some other particular issues, such as, for instance, suddenly maybe losing a loved one. Even issues like divorce could even bring about trauma or um, breaking up like you know, immediately from a certain type of a relationship. So some certain things that can be deemed as a bit subtle, you know, some people tend to think that trauma only comes from oh, I was in a bomb blast or there was a terror attack or I was in combat. That is why I have trauma, but it could even emerge from even relationship issues or even 
from adverse childhood experiences that people go through whenever they whenever they are young. So it's mostly in terms of um, the source the source of trauma. And trauma is usually something that is very also individualistic. What might be trauma to you might be not traumatic to someone else. It might be maybe, for instance, in the same car accident, for example, but I don't end up developing trauma and then you might end up developing trauma. So it's also very individualistic. And I think that's important to minimize or invalidate other people's feelings and their experiences because they don't understand how individualistic it can be. Thank you, Magdalene. You know, ab- absolutely. It does not necessarily have to be, you know, like a billboard um, event because it, it really depends um, on many other confounding factors and it's it's quite individualized. As Magdalene has talked about, it, which reminds me, we look at trauma as if something directly happens to you, that event or if you observe it, or even hear, yeah? So somebody else would argue, but you know, this did not happen directly to you. You know, you just heard about it. So just the emphasis here is not to in, in, invalidate in whichever way it occurs in any of those three forms can warrant it to be a traumatic event and equally impact um somebody thank you for sharing your sentiments um magdalene as we proceed to the next question to my panelists um just give me with a few examples some cultural or societal factors that contribute to the prevalence of trauma how can this be addressed dennis would you like to go Yes, they are okay. You have asked about some cultural and societal factors that contribute to the that prevalence contribute. of, yeah, and how can we address them? I think yes. in our African African scenario right now, uh, currently, is that the issue of basically the issue of gender, the male and the female gender wars, whereby you find, as I, as I talked about it. Uh, the men are not supposed to express themselves. Uh, the, the society kind of puts that uh, expectations on men that they should be strong and all that. So I think that's one one of the issues that uh, really comes out because you find uh, failure to... Ex- I think there's a writer called Sig- Sigmund Freud who, who said that unexpressed em- emotions will never die. They are buried alive and they come forth later in uglier ways. So I think uh, those uh, societal factors whereby this male chauvinism in that the male are not supposed to express themselves and ladies are more they are supposed to exp- they are supposed to be emotional and stuff so you find that uh, as i've said that is the issue that in most of the uh, most of the scenarios that brings about these issues of even the effects of trauma so how can we address them we can address them by creating awareness that everybody is can get traumatic can get traumatic conditions everybody can experience trauma and everybody can experience healing and everybody should be able to go for therapy because if we put it in in a way that only men should go to 
therapy only, women should go to therapy, then we are not going to achieve anything in the society. In a, a society, I believe as a society, you're supposed to coexist between male and female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Dennis, um, you know, for, for, for that. I see that uh, we have a new speaker on Catherine Wanjiru. Catherine, what are your thoughts on some cultural or societal factors that contribute to the prevalence of trauma? And how can we address that? Uh, thank you so much, Kadoni, and I'm so happy to be here today. I believe some is, uh, you know, just the belief on what causes trauma. If, for instance, uh, the society or the society that someone is exposed to believes that only people in the forces can be can suffer from trauma and traumatic effects, then that means anybody else who maybe in the society is not feeling so good, they are very less likely to, you know, to seek medical care. And also in the instance where the society sees that um, trauma is something that it's all in your head and all you have to do is just snap out of it or even just, you know, just stop pretending. So if they hold on to such beliefs, it's very likely that somebody who is not all right in the society will not seek um medical the right medical attention and i think i believe the best way for us to address that is you know to create more awareness about trauma to talk about the trauma in uh, from from different settings how can workplaces cause trauma how can maybe life-threatening situations cause trauma how does it manifest who is at more risk really really just talking about trauma from very many angles i think by creating that awareness people will come to really understand and you know when they are faced with those situations they can then go ahead and seek the necessary care i think that even makes the prevalence uh, a bit higher is a lack of social support whenever a person has gone through a traumatic experience. So it could be maybe, for instance, like you just recently lost your baby or like had a miscarriage or even just recently lost your job just suddenly, suddenly not being able to find uh, people who are there to support you or to listen to you, to just really be there for you are one of the risk factors for even developing trauma and the solution to it would be like um yeah um what has just been like i said by Catherine, like creating awareness about um trauma and what can bring about trauma such that whenever we know maybe someone has gone through a traumatic experience by keeping in touch with them we can be able to be there for them and to support them so, so it's all about really keeping in touch asking them okay how are you feeling um how can i help you out um how can i be of help at this particular moment and just trying to be there for them so mostly lack of social support really um increases the vulnerability of a person developing trauma mm. thank you for that addition um can Marie? i add Gadoni? i just remembered something yes, can i yes i i believe also looking at it from the past from the medical perspective, uh, depending on how you know medical professionals respond to people who who you know visit healthcare facilities with all these different signs of trauma, that can also influence how the rest of the population will respond. If, for instance, a medical doctor you know just bashes or just minimizes or speaks ill of the person who has come forward to seek care, it's very very likely that 
other people who may be suffering from the same or they know somebody who has the same symptoms they are very likely to not seek care in either from that person or ever from any other facility mm. yeah absolutely you know and thank you for i, I have an, an addition i have an addition Dennis, here please go ahead yeah you, you okay you, you find that sometimes there are these institutions that are responsible for kind of uh, they act as the referrals to like, like for example uh, in a rape, a rape scenario whereby maybe an underage girl has been raped and maybe impregnated and maybe this person uh, is reported to let's say the police and maybe the court systems you find sometimes there's a lot of corruption that happens there and you know if the the, the people the other perpetrators that are responsible are just left scot-free then you find that the society kind of does not believe in the in the in the court systems and the poli in the police in responding to these issues so you find the society has that belief that after kitu kifanyika nothing will happen they don't take action attend something and then the child is ama the, the the person who is responsible is just left scot free so i think what we can do is that we can maybe advocate for better policies and maybe better the institutions responsible they should maybe have better referral referral pathways in that in in, in that those people that are uh, responsible onafakwekewa some of the harshest harsh uh, penalties so that they cannot maybe affect and they cannot uh, influence uh, some of these decisions Thank you, Dennis, uh, for that. And also because of time, just allow me to look at specific uh, the role that the community can play in looking at faith-based organizations or even advocacy that has been mentioned by Dennis. What role can they play in supporting individuals who have experienced uh, trauma? Kenya, let me start with you. Uh, I know that you are ready to speak. All right, thank you. I'm Kenya Kitonga, and I'm delighted to be part of um, today's talk. Regarding to the question, I feel like these organizations can be pioneers to advocating for norms that um, go hand in hand with healthy behaviors. Also, um, they can be used to offer social support and also foster a sense of belonging. For instance, if someone may be has been exposed to trauma and maybe a lot of people did not understand uh, in cases where maybe there is vicarious or secondary trauma most of the individuals really do not advocate for such they never believe that you can get traumatized from hearing about other stories and such so these organizations can be the pioneers uh, of offering social support and even creating awareness this will help minimize stigma around trauma yeah. Thank you, Kenya. In fact, just you mentioning secondary support has just reminded me in, in regards to there's a lot that has been going on, whether it's on social media, on television, just really graphic videos, stories, left and center. And just even being in the midst of that high level of continuous consumption can also be traumatic or can trigger um a, a lot of 
can trigger a lot of individuals and even push them to begin experiencing some trauma symptoms. So as we are thinking about, um, sorry, as we are listening to other speakers, looking uh, and hearing about um, how we can experience support from advocacy and also faith um, groups, I want us to know that also protecting yourself is quite, quite important. Catherine, what are your thoughts on um, the role that community-based organizations can play in supporting individuals who have experienced trauma, specifically faith-based groups or advocacy groups? Uh, thank you, Gadani, for the question. I believe they can really play an active role in protecting the people you know who show signs of trauma instead of sometimes uh, we see like some of these groups they, they are advocating at the very high level but it could be that they that there's one individual who is most affected so they can play that active role of really protecting the person whether it's from stigma from the isolation from the rest of the community or even from being physically emotionally or even mentally battered by the rest of the community they can also uh take a very very active role in educating people if uh, for instance they realize that there is a misconception that that is going around about trauma or people who have suffered or are demonstrating different signs of, of traumatic episodes they can take up that role of ensuring that the right information is spreading throughout the community so that also um, whether it's the person who has that uh, experience mm -hmm. or someone else they are very well protected uh, thank you and over to you yeah, I, I agree with that. Actually, mostly faith-based organizations, that's usually the first stop when people are experiencing any form of distress. Yeah, so Looking at the churches or just basically religious institutions, they, uh, they hold the community, the basic unit, which is um, the family. So it is, you know, it's such a huge role where advocacy is concerned, if it starts within those um, groups themselves, creating awareness starts there, training also starts there, you know, the, providing the right form of um, support would go such, such, a, such a long way. Um, Dennis? Yeah, uh, yeah. I had, as I had just said uh, about the, the issue of ad advocacy, uh, I think uh, some of this, there's a group called Social Justice Center, which can, which basically tries to create tra uh, trainings to the members of the commu community on some of this, uh, the court system. How, okay, I'm sorry, I'm talking more about the rape, the rape, tra the, the trauma that comes from rape. So I hope you'll understand. So I'm saying uh, from that, uh, your group in Etua Social Justice Center, they try to educate the, the, the society about the, the issue of the court system, the issue of litigation, uh, I mean public litigation, how to go about some of these issues to the courts. There are some members of the community that can they, that are really unable to access to justice. Yeah, so they help in creating that awareness in the community by educating the members of the community on how to go about it. Another way that these faith-based organizations can do this is, as you have said, offering the emotional support. It's good, like the churches, although the churches of late have 
they have that kind of uh, the, the issue the issue that is coming about the pastors and stuff but basically the churches can also be able to and the, not even the churches alone the mosque and all those others they can help in creating the emotional support the it is from the churches that people are able to get the emotional support and maybe do a word of prayer they can be able to feel uh, at home and empowered so i think uh, through that issue of creating awareness and educating the mass about how to access justice and creating emotional support they can really go a long way in supporting individuals who have experienced trauma. Thank, Thank you, Dennis, um, for your input. So, yeah, I, I, I think we cannot deny the fact that um, the, the religious institutions, you know, faith-based groups do provide, you know, quite a huge space where support is concerned. Food for thought and a conversation for another day that we are not really ready to have is also looking at how same faith-based organization or other religious organizations because it's not just Christians on also how they do perpetuate um, trauma in self within those same setups. So that's a conversation that we really need to you know to 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 delve in. Um, I've heard of cases where you you are discontinued from going to space because, for example, you became pregnant. Yeah. So, you know, the same institutions that can provide support, some of them also do, you know, contribute to the trauma itself. We need to have that conversation, not for today. Another thing that we cannot um, ignore is that one of the ways that really we can get engaged in tackling to do health and trauma is from a multi-sectorial approach. So other than the faith-based based groups and um, advocacy groups, how can we work to create trauma-informed um, institutions where schools are concerned, workplaces are concerned, and other organizations? How can we create more trauma-informed schools, workplaces, and other organizations. Allow me to invite uh, Mag Magdalene to start with Magdalene and just hear all the speakers' thoughts. Um, I think among the first steps is, first of all, creating awareness, first of all, even uh, mostly in schools or even in other places. So um, once we create awareness, then it becomes much easier to even be able to pinpoint maybe who's going through trauma or some of these traumatic experiences. And at times it requires like a more multidisciplinary kind of an approach where there's, you know, um, referring a person maybe to mental health specialists where they could be able to help them maybe navigate through some trauma-focused therapy sessions, for instance. Also, maybe getting social workers involved to be able to help a person if it's also in terms of the family and the family needs or even uh, merging also spirituality because trauma definitely has a way of even affecting your spirituality as a person. So how can we be able to even merge 
um, some of these other things, or even your physical health, for instance. Um, yeah, or even getting in touch maybe with people who could be able to advocate for them, uh, maybe in the places like it could be in the court systems or even um, advocating to even policymakers to try and push for some certain agendas to be changed or to be upgraded or to be modified. So it's something that definitely requires a whole multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. Uh, sorry, thank you, Magdalene, um, for that. Looking at the multidisciplinary approach part of it. Uh, Catherine, then Kenya, then Dennis. Uh, thank you so much, Gadoni. Do you mind repeating the question? Sorry, I was lost for a, a second there. Sorry. <laughs> how can we create? How to create? <laughs> Mm-hmm. trauma informed workplaces and other organizations oh thank you so much i believe it's it should all start from realizing that nobody is exempted from experiencing trauma or even the symptoms of trauma so from there you start to question yourself where are these people who may be who might experience trauma they're in workplaces they're in schools they are in all that or in all those places and also trying to dig deeper to really understand how can trauma manifest when they are in these very different different environments so when you when you start from the beginning of what is trauma who is affected and then go all the way to where they are and how it can manifest then you can come plug in and try to see how can i prevent these um this from happening, this from continuing, or maybe this from uh, affecting the rest of the of the community. And also, I believe in terms of the multidisciplinary, uh, yeah, multi, yeah, multiple organizations or even stakeholders coming in together to create the trauma-informed places. It's important for us to clarify what exactly can they, which role exactly can they play and for us to, you know, to reduce the prevalence of trauma in the community. Uh, and apart from that, we should also go ahead and uh, when we implement the different strategies that we come up with, it's important for us to see where are we seeing change? If what we've been implemented for some time is not uh, bearing the results that we expect, then it really wouldn't make, make sense for maybe a school to continue with a strategy that have proven over and over again that it's not working. If they realize maybe this strategy is better implemented by, by maybe, you know, social events like uh, like in a football club instead of the school where it's very formal education uh, where there's a lot of formal education i think we should also be flexible enough to know that uh, no one's strategy is limited to a specific field and it should be a learning experience for all the different stakeholders who will be involved over to you and thank you yeah thank you so much um catherine for your sentiments Uh, thank you, Kadoni. Um, according to me, I tend to feel like we can offer better support by validating the experiences of these individuals. It is not right to tell a person that whatever you went through doesn't really qualify you to undergo trauma. Anyone can experience trauma, uh, no matter the experience they are talking about. Other than that, we can also um, offer unconditional support 
whereby you really do not judge and even around this person you really have to watch your language also tend to understand their triggers what triggers them to maybe recall these experiences and such and we can you can also give them information link them up to airplanes or organizations that are willing to offer them support because a lot of people how they really do not have this information they're not quite aware whom do i turn to where do i get support thank you thank you so much um kenya who has you know very well answered for us how we can better support individuals who've experienced complex uh trauma dennis how can we work to create more trauma-informed schools, workplaces, and organizations? All right, as we wait for Dennis to join in, and as we wind down the conversation, I want to ask you about um, just some of the practices that maybe all resources that you know or are aware of that individuals can utilize while recovering or healing from their traumatic experiences. Yeah, Catherine, would you like to give us your thoughts on that? Schools, work, work, workplaces and other organizations. I think number one, in our universities, I, I am talking more of universities because I'm a university student. I think we can, number one, create effective referral pathways for these traumatized patients, I mean students, whereby uh, once a, a student experiences a traumatic uh, scenario, they, there should be an effective pathway maybe. Whom, whom can I go, whom can I reach out to? If maybe it's a student counselor, if maybe it's a a peer counselor, there should be such a referral pathway that it's well detailed and which is working and they are able to uh, effectively access to get access to them regardless of whatever time it is of the day because some of these issues come up even at late hours of the night. Then another issue, I think uh, the schools, the high schools and even the universities, they need to educate uh, AMA trained peer counselors because you find sometimes, yes, they, they have the guidance, the guidance and counseling teacher, for example, I'm a, a student counselor, but they are not really able to cover the whole student population. But with uh, peer counselors who are basically fellow students, they can be able to reach out to them. And if well-trained on handling some of these traumatic issues, they can be able to uh, it has the burden to the the counseling department generally then another another issue is about empowering the workforce this is more into the workplaces Empower, empowering the work the workforce and uh, having more having ad, an adequate number of healthcare workers you find in our hospitals currently the number of the healthcare workers it does not really match the the, the number of patients the, the ratio patient ratio like for example, the nurse patient ratio, the, the clinical officer's patient ratio is kind of questionable. And it's if there is no an adequate number, then definitely there shall be an issue. I think the government should try to look at that ratio, that ratio and try to cover it up. Yeah, thank you.
Dennis, I, I really appreciate your sentiments and I'm, I'm so glad that we were not, we did not lock you out of that. So thank you so much. As we wind down the conversation, let's look at some practices, self-care practices or even resources that individuals who have experienced trauma can utilize in their healing journey. Um, maybe we can start with Kenya this time round. Um, some of the self-care practices um, for individuals who have experienced trauma, uh, probably they can access trauma-informed therapy. At times, therapy, not at times, I tend to think that therapy is really important. And also, let them learn to spend time with their loved ones. This comes about with socializing and connecting, not withdrawing totally and also working on their feelings. You know, some people tend to surprise what they are feeling because maybe the society really means them not to show they are really having trouble with this and that. So it is okay for you to validate the experiences and also for them now to work on their feelings. Um, they can also take some rest, eat healthy, journal, and also do affirmations. Meditation also can work in as a self-care. Thank you. Thank you, Kenya. You've heard about um, some different self-care routines that individuals can engage in, including meditation. Thank you so much, Kenya. Um, Dennis? Yeah, I think uh, start with meditation, but it has been said. Then another another okay. one, uh, people can maybe practice being intentional. Sometimes you find we, okay, as young people, we engage in issues and you find we, we just kind of continue hurting ourselves because of not being intentional. We should try to be intentional in whatever that we are doing. Then another one is by exercising. We should try to be more active. You know, once you are active, your brain is able to rest and be be more active generally. And then maybe another one is by maybe uh, trying to do more of our hobbies. If maybe I'm good at drawing, if I'm good at maybe journaling or writing articles, then I think I should be able to do that and try to do the things that I love more as I continue to work on myself. Then lastly, I think it's also good sometimes we tend to overwork ourselves. We have very difficult uh, uh, working conditions. Maybe you are employed somewhere and you have a lot of workload. It's good that sometimes we should have some kind of time offs and we go rest and yeah, be able to overcome all that because Sometimes also trauma comes from burnout. We can be able to, we, we can we can be experiencing burnout, but we cannot be able to to tell. So it's good to be having uh, time off and relaxing and yeah, practicing practicing relaxation generally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Dennis. Is there anyone else who would like to add something? Can I? Yes, I will. Um, I could. I could add um, like doing some certain practices such as journaling 
being able to write down maybe your feelings and events of you know that specific traumatic events say for example maybe i lost my baby or i had a miscarriage okay so what are some of the things that happened the whole experience my feelings you know just being able to process things because the thing about trauma is that at times it affects even your ability to like completely process the whole event so you tend to avoid it a lot but by a person being intentional about writing down the entire experience it really helps them to process everything that had happened or most of the things that had happened another thing could be uh, maybe addressing some of even the symptoms of trauma which could be like having flashbacks or some intrusive memories of the event could be learning to practice um mindfulness which basically means being in the here and now yes i'm having this intrusive thought i'm having some of these flashbacks what can i be able to do right now to bring myself into the present moment what are some of the things that i could be able to see right now what are some of the things that i can hear at this point um what are some of the things i could say who are the people who are even around me that i could be able to just interact with so that it would help reduce some of those you know the intrusive memories to just get you into this present time and then to also address some of the other symptoms of trauma such as anxiety um could be practicing regular relaxation techniques like such as deep breathing just taking in those really deep breaths and um letting them out also um or even grounding techniques or some other um techniques that could just be able to help you feel less nervous as before um another thing could in terms of even self care could be um ensuring that you you're fostering very helpful relationships or building relationships that could be able to help you navigate through the traumatic experience because social networks really help out a lot in navigating trauma um other things yeah could be like what have already been said like the exercising really helps a lot but i think in order to be able to well navigate through trauma you also need to enroll maybe in a therapy session with a person with a therapist who's mostly informed like the trauma focused types of therapy because there are different types of them that they could be able to guide you through and help you process the entire um yeah the entire event or um if it was a series of events they could be able to help you out and also visiting a psychiatrist or any doctor cuz maybe there could be um excessive anxiety that perhaps you might need some medication to help you relax a bit or um maybe um you're experiencing some depressive symptoms that you might need some antidepressants to help you through it so combining both you know um therapy and medication could be also a means of self care so those are just some of the things i could mention yeah all right thank you so I, much magdalena i'm actually wondering what the person coming next is going to add uh but what i got from you uh you want to say something katrin Oh yes yes sorry yes i i, I wouldn't repeat what has already been said but i believe also reading reading about uh humanity or even reading about life or the situation that has led to the traumatic experience can really help the person to to understand to be patient with themselves and also exposing yourself to positive and encouraging environments if for instance the trauma is from maybe 
miscarriage, reading stories of other people who have been able to overcome, they are better, they are able to even uh, inspire other people behind them. That can also help the person to really be patient with themselves and get through the entire phase. And also the last, the last comment for me is um, committing themselves to to the process really if for instance you see uh, a medical professional and re they recommend something that you can do whether it's the meditation really just committing yourself to doing it will be very helpful that's all and thank you so much all right so a lot of mindfulness that has been mentioned um therapy medication uh, committing and trusting the process uh, of healing and putting in the work um, yeah, and reading about um, other people's experiences, just uh, equipping yourself with, with the information, uh, the right information from, from their experiences. Thank you, um, Catherine. Anyone else would like to add anything before we give our parting shots? Okay. Um, yeah. Lastly, about uh, practicing gratitude can also go a long way basically healing and dealing with trauma. Thank you, Mutunga. Thank you, Doc. Oh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Doc. Yeah, uh, my name is Dr. Mutunga. Uh, Sante Sana for the opportunity to share. Thank you all our people who have discussed. I'm a doctor here in Uganda, the founder of Living Hope Foundation, Uganda a Mental Health and Wellness and livelihood creation um, organization, which is community-based, aiming to fight stigma associated with mental illness and help to fight suicide. Most a big mental health advocate, right from, I think, my second year in medical school. Glad to be here today. Um, I think you, the, the, the topic we're talking about today, trauma, um, very few people get to even understand, especially in our society. I live alone the people in this space who are elite. You know, I can I can read people's bios and they are either clinical psychologists or doctors or I don't know. And they have been to campus and they have sat in a mental health class and been able to understand that there is mental health and there are mental health challenges. But a majority of the people, I do not know about Kenya. I was in Kenya uh, last year for like six months uh, volunteering in um Jaramogi Odinga Oginga Hospital in, 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 in also known as Russia in Kisumu. Um but I didn't understand um how 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 it is in Kenya that at what age do people get to even learn about mental health and get to know that there's mental health and there are mental health challenges. Here it's either until someone enrolls in nursing school and when they're having those lectures, they have a mental health class or they go to campus like myself and uh, get to learn about mental health. So there is this very big challenge that we have people grow up facing things which they have no idea about. And most of them, like in this country, they explain away their illness along lines of witchcraft or spiritual warfare. And with this comes a lot of questioning. You know, people are questioning, why is this happening to me? Why is my mind like this? Like they can't process what they are going through. And... Um, much of what I would like to do with my organization together with the partners we have is just to make sure we break down these talks in illustrative and local language and just to see how people can get to understand first what they are dealing with. Because uh, insight into one's illness 
makes it easy for someone to speak up about whatever it is that they are facing. Because most of the people that you find are questioning, why is this happening to me? And then also, if you are like having depression or anxiety, you already have that fear of are people seeing me? Like, how will they understand what I'm going through? Or, you know, like they can't see me going through this. So people tend to shut everything in and then they go through stuff all by themselves but i feel like if people get to understand that it's normal just like someone can wake up and they have cough which they didn't invite to themselves but it just happened if they get to wake up and understand that these occurrences and these events happen um to any person out there and that there is no shame in speaking up and asking for help and also knowing that there is a way out, it makes it easier for people to speak up and to seek help. So back to trauma, what happens is most of the tr- people that we find that are, that are dealing uh, with doc, I might have to cut you short. I might have to cut you short uh, in the interest of time. Uh, yes, because we do this for one hour. Please give your parting shot so that we give the rest of the panelists time to give the parting shots. Thank you. In the interest I, of time, I, I wasn't part of the panelists, but you gave me an opportunity to speak. Uh, some people could not allow me even to speak. So thank you for having me and uh, for organizing this. Thank you so much. Um, back to you. Oh, thank you, Doc. We'll have you on the panel next time. Uh, so let's hear from the rest of the panel. Uh, we'll begin with Dennis. Please give us your parting shots. Yeah, I think as young people, we need to uh, create more awareness about mental health. So it's something that is coming up, and we have a stake to play to ensure that these issues for the mass, that is the people out there, they are able to get to learn about mental health. Then, lastly, I'd like to really thank Chiromo for the good work that you are doing in uh, trying to use the digital space to create this awareness. It's really helping many people out there. So thank you so much for the opportunity and for the engagement that we had today. Thank you so much.